Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's Thursday, April 28th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Learn how Steamfitters can benefit your business at steamfitters-602.org. Here are the stories we're working on today. The Fairfax County School Board tries to roll back screen time in the classroom after more than a year of virtual learning. WTOP Scott Gelman tells us why there's pushback on keeping phones out of students' hands, especially teenagers. We can't put the genie back in the bottle. We put in the current variation of this policy that students can use their phones. And believe it or not, the Democratic primary for D.C. mayor is just two months out. Candidates shared their ideas at a forum last night. And WTOP's Mike Morello tells us what happened. Most of the finger pointing was at Mayor Bowser, of course, as you'd expect. Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. Fairfax County schools are thinking of revising how much access kids have to the Internet while in the classroom. It's considering banning access to social media sites altogether. School districts across the region are navigating how to find a balance between a child's desire to feel connected and communicate while keeping learning a priority. WTOP Scott Gelman covered this topic that came up during the school board's work session. And Scott... We're not just talking about cell phones here. Most kids use laptops at school to take notes and interact with their digital curriculum. This might be tough to enforce, though, right? I mean, if you have your laptop out and you're doing whatever the teacher is telling you to do, taking notes, oh, by the way, you're scrolling over to TikTok. I mean, how how do they enforce something like that? Well, you can't scroll over to TikTok on a school server. That's I mean, that's the first part, right? So some social media sites in January have already been restricted, and it's almost all of them except for Facebook. But what we're talking about here and, and what was the subject of this work session was a proposed change to what's called the county students' rights and responsibilities policy. And it gets updated annually. And so this was nothing formal done. There was nothing actionable done here, but there will be eventually. And these revisions are notable for two reasons. So the first one is social media. The social media line that has been proposed to add to this policy explicitly says that social media cannot be accessed well, you are on Fairfax County Public Schools property or a Fairfax County Public School device and while you are using their Internet service. And it might seem odd that that's an addition, right? Why wouldn't that explicitly have been stated before? And right. so there is a social media policy and they have blocked a lot of these sites, but it is not explicitly saying unless you're using social media for academic purposes, you cannot use social media mm. on this property, period. The second addition is the one that has received a lot of pushback has been a talking point among the school board members. It was even a bit divisive because they are explicitly defining when elementary, middle, and high school students can and can't have their phones and laptops out. Primarily cell phone policy is the bigger point that we're talking about. And so, for example, for high school students, this proposal is you could have it during lunch and between classes for those five or fewer minutes and Mm -hmm. before and after the start of the school day and the completion of the school day, but you cannot use them in between. They're so actually, basically, you can't have them in class. Right. So every school currently can make variations of the policy. So the broad policy says that you can use your phones 
as long as teachers say it's okay and you can use it for academic purposes. And the counter argument to some of these proposed changes is a lot of teachers have started doing things digitally, right? So sending out Google Forms, mm-hmm. sending out assignments via Canvas or sending out assignments using digital platforms, Google Docs, things right. like that. And so it's very divisive in that way. And I'm sure the pandemic plays into this because, you know, when students went home, they relied on their own technology to connect with each other and to connect with, you know, the learning process. So I wonder if that kind of broke the barrier. Now that kids are coming back into school, they're like, oh, what? what? I can't I can't use my phone anymore. I can't use my laptops anymore. That's the complete counter argument, right? And uh, the school board chairwoman, Sol Pekarski, said that explicitly, said we can't put the genie back in the bottle. We put in the current variation of this policy that students can use their phones. And so now we are talking about this proposed change where we're basically going to tell students who we have told that they could use their phones that they indeed cannot use their phones. Mm. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you're going to take that away. And her argument was, we just simply can't do that. Didn't this come right after um, a Herndon school said, okay, enough? So not exactly. So they change and discuss changes to the policy every year. But two weeks before this work session, Herndon High School basically said, we are noticing students using their phones during class. They also said too many headphones, AirPod in during class. Mm. We're banning all of that during the school day. And so the argument in favor of this proposed policy, of adopting this proposed policy, is exactly that. Uh, school board member Lane Tolan said this during the work session that Herndon Middle and High Schools have used this policy and it's worked. That there have been no complaints. There have been no pushbacks. And the argument is we need to put this policy into writing not because most students won't follow it. Most students, from what I understand, currently do follow this policy, but for the few that are causing problems. And this all comes during a consequential time for the school district in Fairfax, but even for any school district. So there's a lot of change coming to the D.C. region at a time where you're making efforts to recover from learning loss. A lot of summer school is going to be going on across the entire region this summer. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a crazy time to be a student navigating your day-to-day lives while also just trying to figure out how to catch up on class. And the voting on this new policy by the school board then comes in two weeks. Scott Gelman here breaking it down for us. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, thank you both. Coming up, candidates for D.C. mayor face off two months ahead of the Democratic primary. If you want to save money and grow profits on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project, go with the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. You can trust the experience of its workforce, members who have expertise in heating, air conditioning, refrigeration, and process piping to deliver work that's on time and on budget. For a partner you can trust who's mutually focused on your bottom line and to schedule, contact Steamfitters Local 602 at steamfitters-602.org. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download Podcast. Megan and I do this show all on our own, and we appreciate you making us a part of your day. If you like the show or have a suggestion, let us know by leaving a review or rating the show. Both of those things help us get better and help us grow our audience. Thanks again. So it's hard to believe, but the campaign for D.C. mayor is heating up with the Democratic primary only two months off, June 21st. And several candidates are hoping to take the current seat of Mayor Muriel Bowser in City Hall. And since D.C. is so blue, the Democratic primary really essentially determines who will likely win this seat. Most of the candidates squared off last night in a forum at George Washington University, save the one Republican candidate, uh, sharing their thoughts on crime, education and housing. And Mike Murillo is here. He watched the entire forum and kind of has an idea for us what happened. So, Mike, let's start with who's running. 
Current D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser needs little introduction as she's seeking her third term. We've also got two council members in the race. So tell us about the other candidates that are looking to take her office at the Wilson Building. All right. So, of course, yeah, Mayor Muriel Bowser. And the thing about her, too, is if she does win this one, which, you know, some people expect, she will be the second mayor in D.C. history to have three consecutive terms. So you had Marion Barry, and then now you would have... She's going for the mayor for life title. I guess so. There you go. Hmm. Um, So but the ones looking to challenge her, we have at large council member Robert White, Ward 8 council member Trayon White. And then we also have James Butler, who's a former D.C. advisory neighborhood commissioner. And in addition to that, not officially on the ballot, but he's not in the primary because he's the only independent. If so, we have Rodney Red Grant. He's actually a comedian. Really? He goes by a humanitarian, but he's also a comedian who actually, if you look him up, he's played with some and performed with some big acts. So huh. he's running as an independent. So those are the people who spoke last night. And I did a little more research, too, just to see who's officially on the D.C. elections website. We also have a Republican candidate, Stacia. And on her website, it says Stacia Honey Badger Hall. <laughs> it's a go- memorable middle name. Strong middle name. I think we here still want to know what the honey badger is, but I haven't honestly we haven't had time to, you know, really go into that. Right. So those are your candidates as you try to gear up for the primary and then the general election in November. And at this forum last night, you know, they really discussed the issues that are at play here. Chief among them was rising crime. It's top of mind for many Washingtonians. A recent poll this spring actually found that, you know, a third, nearly a third of DC residents say the increase in crime makes them feel unsafe, and that's by the Washington Post. How does each candidate plan to make DC safer? All right. Well, let's go over a couple of them. Obviously, Mayor Bowser. Oh, we know a lot of what she's been pushing for. She has more money in front of this D.C. Council right now in her proposed budget mm-hmm. to get more money to hire more police officers. When I see our call times for police response going up year over year, I know we don't have the right number of officers. She wants to hire an additional 347 police officers. She was asked about how quick Could that happen? Mm. So you hire them, but then how quick before they can actually be on the streets? She believes, give her a year, maybe a little more, you could actually have those boots on the ground, so to speak. Again, this comes at a time, too, where there's a lot of discussion about how much police should be funded. You have the whole defund police movement. So that's obviously part of the discussion as well. There's also a huge issue with recruiting. Almost every single department around this region is having a hell of a time recruiting people. So it's great to say, yeah, we want to hire more police and they may have more tactics to do that. But that's a tough that's a tough thing to say. And then you had a lot of the discussion about, you know, how do you get to the root of this? Right. So you had Robert White, who essentially said there are a few people causing these crimes. There are a small number of people committing the vast majority of violent crimes in our city. We can and we must identify them, get to them with a clear alternative. So then you heard from James Butler, who's another candidate. He wants to see an additional 700 police officers on the street. So that's an interesting one. He thinks that could happen. Then you heard from Rodney Red Grant. I thought he had an interesting one as well. Back uh, many years ago, there was these orange hat. They called them orange hat groups. Essentially, they were like your, I hate to say guardian angels. They aren't the guardian angels, but a similar group where you get uh, people in the community who come together to patrol the streets. He Uh wants to see them back out there. So those were some of the ideas that were presented last night. And, Mike, this was a forum, not really a debate. So they weren't really talking at each other. They're just kind of presenting their ideas. Very important to note there because the candidates took turns coming on the stage and talking. So not everybody got asked the same question. So it's hard here to say, well, here's what every candidate said on every topic because this, yes, was was a forum. And most of the finger pointing was at Mayor Bowser, of course, with the other candidates, as you'd expect. And education is also a really high priority as the pandemic made schooling increasingly difficult for everybody, students, teachers, parents. What ideas do the candidates bring to the table for that? 
You had Trayon White pretty much saying we need to do more for a lot of the schools east of the river because that's his area of representation, right? right? Saying what happens is that when you get a poor education, you go to a poor performance school, you get a poor paying job, you get poor housing, and you have kids in that same poor community. So we have to break that cycle. We had Rodney Red Grant, again, the comedian, but I thought there was an interesting one, too. He talked about more trade training in schools. All the kids do not want to go to college. Everybody knows that in here. You know, some kids just want to work. And we got we to gotta delve into that situation really serious right now. So why not in these schools get more people training for you know, a trade of some sort, whether yeah. it's, you know, working for plumbing, that sort of thing, or starting their own businesses. A couple of them mentioned that as well, you know, embracing entrepreneurship. And Mayor Bowser, of course, saying when she started, she's seen a large increase in the number of kids who stay in school. She said in the third grade, you had a lot of people dropping out or, you know, parents moving their kids elsewhere. Maybe it was charter schools. Who knows? But she says now you have middle schools with 4,000 more kids mm. than when she started in office. So she says that she's seen gains, but of course says that, you know, there's still more she'd like to do as well with mm-hmm. her next term if she's awarded that from voters. Mm. And one of the uh, major issues that has come in front of the Bowser administration is homelessness and how they've chosen to handle it. There were the evictions of a couple of homeless encampments that had a huge response from the community and from the council itself. A recent study found that homelessness declined again this year, and it's actually down to its lowest point in 17 years. But that same study found the number of encampments in the city's parks, there are more of them. So what do the candidates have to say about affordable housing when it comes to homelessness in the district? Do they say anything specifically about that? I think I go back to Robert White and what he was saying several years ago. He introduced a bill that he said would have made for more affordable housing by working with landlords, maybe even targeting some of these older, underused office buildings and turning those into affordable housing units. Then you had Mayor Bowser saying, well, she has created a lot more housing. We have seen, we have one at the 2D police station, right, where you see there was a a new affordable housing building and several instances of those as well. So Mm. everybody seemed to agree we could use more affordable housing, Mm. but it was all we have a different solution here or there on how we could do that and a different plan, too. Yeah. So, Mike, what's next here? I mean, is this the last time we'll hear from these candidates on these issues? You know, I'm sure there will be more debates. I don't have them in front of me right now. More debates, more forums coming up as we get closer to this June 21st primary. All right. Well, there are a lot of candidates to consider, and we have more information about each on WTOP.com, as well as a link to that form if you'd like to watch it for yourself. Mike Murillo, thanks for keeping an eye on things and telling us about the candidates so far. We will continue to follow it. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike. Okay, Luke, before we go, the next time you take out a crisp Jefferson out of your Mm. wallet, it might not be made in D.C., Oh, wow. I know. They're apparently moving the actual making of money out of the Bureau of Engraving and Printing down on the National Mall near 14th Street and out to Beltsville. Oh, wow. Cool. I know. It's going to this unused, like, 104-acre site along Powder Mill Road, which is sort of near, you know, between, I guess, the BW Parkway and Route 201. And our WTOP's John Doman actually talked to the Bureau's director, and he was saying that actual building is like more than 100 years old this down on the mall it opened in 1914 man and it's just so old he said it's hard to maintain the temperature and the humidity which are both so important to making money yeah and as people get better and better at making counterfeits i'm sure that they need more technology and all that kind of stuff so yeah i guess that makes sense they need more space they're just gonna you know they're gonna bring it out to the farm yeah i love it but you know it's funny thinking about cash like i don't carry cash around that much you know, so I wonder, it kind of brings up the question in my head, 
will cash ever be obsolete or will we ever have you know, just digital currency. I, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like we're going that way. We definitely don't use coins as much anymore. That's for sure. That's so true. Maybe, you know, maybe the uh, the old National Mall building will become like a crypto building. <laughs> Who knows? There's an idea. <laughs> I guess we'll have to see. Well, that does it for us today. Thanks for joining us for the DMV Download. We are sponsored by Steamfetters Local 602. The show is produced by me, Luke Garrett. And me, Megan Cloherty. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab. And our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance. You can find out more about the show and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in D.C., 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at wtop.com, and on the WTOP News app. Have a great night, guys.